Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to Marvel's The Pullist. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And, uh, good news, I remembered how to do my intro for the show, unlike <laughs> yesterday when we were recording an intro for This Week of Marvel, and I completely forgot to say my name and how I do all these shows that we've been doing, including 50 episodes of Marvel's The Pullist. Wow. Can you believe it, folks? A half century, fare thee well. Yeah, uh, pretty, to the first amazing. fifty. I don't know what I'm saying goodbye to. <laughs> uh, but we, uh, this is also the last episode of Marvel's Apollos that we'll do together in 2018. In in the first calendar year of the show. Yeah. We're going out on a high note because there are 28 comics out this week. Uh, as is now the case when we do one of these shows, uh, did you watch any movies this weekend? Ooh, um, you know, I didn't. I didn't. Wow. Huh. No, I don't think. Well, let me regale you with some tales because I was yes. real sick. Okay. Like horribly sick for four days. I know I watched Rebirth of Mothra 2, <laughs> which is terrific. The re-rebirth. Yeah, and it includes a monster creature called uh, the Gorgo, which looks like a Furby, is small, Sick. has human eyes, and has healing pee. And uh, right, this is a you sent a picture of this. I shared that with you guys. Yeah. Uh, it is terrific. I highly suggest anyone <laughs> check it out, especially if you're excited for the new Godzilla film. But Rebirth of Mothra, super fun. And I watched uh, the Jim and Andy documentary oh wow yeah um which yeah, was yeah. really cool yeah. and i thought i imagine tucker is a big fan of andy kaufman oh yeah uh well that's enough about that kind of stuff but you guys should check out all the stuff that we talked about as well as all the comics because that's what we're going to do this episode we're going to talk about all the new comics that are out this week the print issues the digital issues we're going to tell you things that we liked about them all the people who made them which is really really important and uh hopefully you guys check out some of these fun books you know what i'm thinking it's coming to mind just now because this is kind of a a landmark episode. I feel like maybe it would be kind of fun, and and you know, I kind of before we get it started, I want, kind of want to do like a title card drop. Okay, so this is Marvel's Pull List, Episode Fifty, Death by Comics. Yeah, yeah, because there are so many, so many, <laughs> and let's do it. Let's just dive right in. You got the first book, Tuck. All right, let's do it. We're starting with. Amazing Spider-Man number 11. It's written by Nick Spencer with pencils by Ryan Otley, inks by Cliff Rathburn, colors by Laura Martin, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. There has been a lot of work in recent months done on the relationship between J. Jonah Jameson and Peter Parker. And a lot of that has been done in Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man, specifically in Chip Zdarsky's run. There's been some really, really fascinating exploration done there in that relationship. And so it's really cool and kind of a really fascinating new dynamic that we're exploring right from the opening pages of this issue here, as we see Jonah on the cover, is... Jonah, of course, host of this radio show now. He is a champion of Spider-Man. He is shouting, Spider-Man is a hero, or my name's not J. Jonah Jameson. Of course, it's the complete opposite of what we've all kind of known to uh, expect over the last 50-something years. But uh, it's a really cool kind of different take. Yeah, and it's, it's super fun. I love also, if you read this issue... Then imagine in your head the voice of Darren DePaul, who voices oh, yeah. J. Jonah Jameson in Marvel Spider-Man for PlayStation 4. It makes it even better. And if you if you haven't played the game, that's okay. Just like YouTube, Jonah, podcast, Spider-Man, PS4, whatever it is, and you'll get the impact of how he sounds. Completely. So good. Uh, we get a great throwdown with the hippo in here. I want to shout out specifically in this kind of Christmassy-themed issue – the colors by Laura Martin, because they are absolutely gorgeous. I'm thinking specifically, maybe in the latter half, there's kind of a nighttime scene between Jonah and Spidey as they're going to this Wilson Fisk kind of gala that plays on Jonah's uh, worst traits in every way. He kind of loves being involved. He loves being close to those in the spotlight. But the colors in this are just gorgeous. There's a glow to everything. There's a, an incredible art team on this book. Great to see those moments where it really just shouts at you and is kind of really takes the, the foreground here like it does with Laura. I'm glad you mentioned the hippo, but you forgot to mention the Enforcers and one of the greatest Marvel villains of all time, Fancy Dan. Mm. His name is Fancy Dan. 
and he's wow. kind of fancy. Oh, that's awesome. I love Fancy Dan. He's I don't a, want fop, damn it. I'm a Fancy Dan man. Yeah. A little edit there. <laughs> the, the Oh, brother, we're out there. Oh, oh brother, we're out there. We're out there line. This is devolving. All right. <laughs> Next book is Asgardians of the Galaxy number four. And I think this is my favorite issue of the series so far. It's written by Colin Bunn. It's got art by Matteo Loli. A couple of other pages for flashbacks by Natasha Bustos and Luca Maresca. Colors by Federico Blee. Letters by VCs Corey Petit. You know, we've got Loki being all mischiefy. We've got Angela being a total badass and kind of more than just like she's going to cut through things and be berserker, awesome, rage goddess. She's also strategic and sneaky and clever and, and really fun, uh, which I really like seeing in this issue. We get some really cool art beats, uh, especially all the Throg moments. Really funny stuff with Gladiator trying to lift Throg's tiny, tiny hammer and getting really frustrated, which I could have a whole issue of just those gags. And you have cool stuff with characters powering up and definitely there's a big, big last page. I hope you don't get spoiled on it, but it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. And so just really gnarly stuff. It's, uh, it's a really fun issue. Uh, uh, next issue is Avengers number 11, which is by Jason Aaron, Ed McGinnis, and Corey Smith with inks and finishes by Mark Morales, Scott Hanna, and Carl Kazel. Colors by Eric Arseniega and letters by VCs Corey Petit. This is a really interesting issue. You know, Jason, as the writer of this book, as one of the great writers in all of comics, you know, has an incredible command of directing a narrative and balancing a narrative between a ton of different storylines and story arcs and things like that. So there's a kind of a big element of that at play here because I think by my count, there's at least four different settings and kind of character dynamics slash things being explored in this issue. One of them is with Phil Coulson. Well, the title of the issue is The Strength and Conviction of Philip Coulson, which I think is just such a cool title. And then... You know, it's like intense Coulson. Of course. And when we see him on page one, he's introduced in the letters as Phil Coulson, former agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., supposed to be dead. But he's interrogating someone throughout the issue, and we don't know who. It's kind of a mystery. We see it from the person being interrogated. We see it from their perspective. Uh, And it's really fascinating. It's super well done. And I think, you know, adds true crime detective element to Phil Coulson, which is really cool. He's not just wrangling superheroes as this kind of suit that runs around for S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, he's really doing the work here. It's it's really, really interesting uh, to see uh, Jason's take on it. And we also have the action going on at uh, Avengers Mountain in the North Pole, which includes something with Captain Marvel. And we also get a date. In this Savage Land. I like the Captain Marvel Ghost Rider bonding over, like, fixing a car type stuff. I just thought that was a cool, neat twist because Carol's a gearhead. She loves, you know, like, machines and planes and cars and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really cool to see those little things that, you know, between characters that you might not, you know, at first glance think have a lot in common. But, of course, you know, a creative team as good as this is going to find those moments. And so we have a date as well between Thor and Jen Walters. But, you know, it's not going quite well. We're seeing T'Challa in his role as leader of the Avengers trying to kind of negotiate with the Winter Guard and a a few other folks. So we have all of that going on. All of it is gripping. All of it is super fascinating. And uh, also the issue has a drunk bear man eating fruit. And that's... (laughs) <laughs> Pretty much all you need to get you through the door. True. And the rest is just icing. Uh, next up is Black Order number two, written by Derek Landy, art by Philip Tan and Harvey Talabau, inks by Mark Deering, Lebo Underwood, and Harvey Talabau, colors by J. David Ramos and Dono Sanchez Aramara, and letters by Clayton Cowles. I really dig this book. It's a lot of fun. The Black Order in here is just a little sassier. They've just got more personality. They give them more depth, more character, gives them more room to breathe and really show who they are before. They're just amazing designs, really cool characters. Their muscle, their pieces moved around uh, for purposes of having these badass bad guys. But the series gives them the opportunity to be something bigger, something special. And I really, really dig that about it. The narration for this issue is uh, by Proxima Midnight. And the first issue was Corvus Glaive. So we get her vibes of a survivor and really like thinking about 
her perspective on the events going on here. There's tons of ridiculous characters that Derek puts in here, which I'm really digging his style. You've got this evil king that the Order is trying to kill who's kind of a goofball, but also very dangerous. He's a lot of fun. The host of superpowered rebels that the Order meet is tremendous. There's a character named Punch Fist in this issue. I now want a Punch Fist movie. Yeah. Uh, it is great. Like, one of the orders, like, your name is Punch Fist? And she's like, yeah, I punch things with my fist. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm what, in. What would your version of that name be? Mine would be like, um, uh, so what is it? It's it's verb. It's verb noun. Sure. Common thing that you do often. Um, avoids gluten. That's me. <laughs> uh, laugh mouth. Oh. Because I like to laugh, you guys. That's good it's stuff. It's real fun. Wholesome laughs over here. Uh, you know, one of the things about this book is that it's a great series if you want to learn about this team because Black Order is also the subtitle of the upcoming Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 game that we recently announced coming to the Nintendo Switch in 2019. So if you want a little bit of perspective on the Black Order, I think this is a terrific book. It's fun. They are a dangerous group. They get themselves into hot water, but of course they're going to get themselves out. I'm very excited to see more of this. Absolutely. From Black Order to Black Panther, this is issue number seven, written by ta Coates with art by the incredible Kev Walker, jumping on board for this issue. Colors by Stefan Petro and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. This is book two, The Gathering of My Name. We kicked off a new story arc last time around with issue number six, which was so good. One of my favorite issues of the new run. This issue is fascinating because it really, to me, felt like an episode of Star Trek with these kind of intergalactic Empire of Wakandan characters. A lot of intrigue, a lot of kind of like kind of chess maneuvering going on, while at the same time finding moments for really great character interaction, which of course can lead you in one direction and then completely flip everything on its head the next moment. There are some great kind of old school classic nine panel pages set up, which allow Kev Walker to just do his thing, which is just so rich. I mean, it's it's really incredible. I, I love... His lines, I love the kind of boldness of the faces of his characters. His richness to all the faces, the yeah. facial reactions, the acting, just the depth of like his line work for a face is incredible. Uh, absolutely. And it, it just works so perfectly. There's some really great stuff that happens here. And there's a, you know, if you're reading this book or maybe if you're checking out Sherry as well and like, where's Manifold? There's a big bit of business about that here, which is very good to see. Yeah. Uh, all right. Up next is Champions. Number 27, written by Jim Zub, art by Max Dunbar, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by Clayton Cowles. This is the final issue of this run, uh, but I got to say, dear Jim Zub, why you do things to cute robot dog? I do not like it. <laughs> It makes me very upset. Uh, otherwise, it's a big, sweet issue. Wrapping up the story in Weird World, you know, getting the team back together, getting them sort of whole both physically in a lot of cases mentally some good stuff for sam uh, alexander nova which is really important but the real drama comes when they get home and the last couple pages set up a lot of what we're I, I would imagine we'll see coming in the new number one champion series that's on the way there's interesting developments there's again drama 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 which you got to have in a, a book with teenagers up next is our Marvel Digital Originals book for the week, which is Daughters of the Dragon, number two. This is the second issue of it, written by Jed McKay, art by Joey Vasquez, Craig Young, Rain Barreto, and Jordan Gibson, letters by Ferran Delgado. Uh, and this is just the most fun book. Jed writes such great banter between Colleen and Misty and guest star Nick Fury in this issue. And Fury, he's there, and the, the Daughters of the Dragon, they're like, Fury... Such a pain in the tuchus. Uh, you have the teenagers from the, the first issue, the first parts, which are really fun. There's this running gag about Colleen and Misty just wanting to get married and raise these kids, which would be, I mean, I would read that all day long, yeah. forever and ever. It'd be really great. <laughs> highly, highly, highly suggest you check out Daughters of the Dragon. Next book this week is my first pick of the week. It is Doctor Strange, The Best Defense, number one. It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by the mind-blowing 
Greg Smallwood, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. Dude, this book. Incredible. I mean, there's such a specific feel to this book. It's really, really unique. I'm thinking of a few other books this week specifically where you open them up and you can just feel that they've embraced a certain style, a certain feeling. And this issue is, it just feels so clean and kind of like just gorgeously linear, super cinematic. And you just, you know, it's not just this simplicity that is kind of imbues the the space and the characters, but like, you know, as you're flipping through the pages, you can kind of hear the wind blowing. You can smell the dust. It's just there's kind of an arid quality about it because it is this very unique take on Doctor Strange and who he is, where he is, the time and space that he's in. He is an old man. And a lot of, you know, where we start is a little bit unclear, but, you know, more and more is revealed as we go. There's some body horror stuff in the first few pages, Ugh. but it's like, it's so gorgeously rendered in this kind of pencil-y style. Um, There's a texture yeah. to Greg's art, which he's, you know, it always has that, but it works so well here. I was just blown away. Yeah. It all plays beautifully into the narrative. Essentially, you know, we have a little... Piece. I'm quoting the book here. It says, I'm Dr. Stephen Strange, the once and future Sorcerer Supreme, last defender of planet Earth. Well, almost the last. Uh, that's kind of where we start the story. There is some awesome monster kind of action. I almost hesitate to call them directly monsters because it's not quite what you think of when you think of like big skin crawly, like slimy monsters. Yeah. It's not that. It's, it's, it's super inventive and super cool. It reminded me of, of Annihilation in the way that it kind of defies imagination in a way and it's yeah. it's super creepy but like annihilation moved through the dark dimension yeah yeah absolutely but once the colors kick in Oof. once greg and jerry's narrative starts pulling in the kind of classic look of stephen strange uh, there's that two-page spread somewhere in the book where i think it's really close to the end yeah. that was just like, it's like astral plane Yeah, yeah. Ditko, yeah. like just this huge love letter. Just to incredible. Ditko. Yeah, so, and, and that's really what the thrust of this book, as you move through it, you know, done in reverence and dedication to everything Steve Ditko. And, you know, it is just a gorgeous issue for that reason and a gorgeous issue for as a piece of the best defense puzzle. Yeah, can't speak highly enough about yeah. it. And how it threads into the other books. Yeah. It's really, really neat. Uh, if you're not reading The Best Defense, highly suggest you pick it up. This is the third, and then we'll talk about the fourth part. And they're not like – you don't have to read them in really any order. Yeah. They sort of can be read in any way. Mm -hmm. I'm sure The Best Defense, the final part that comes next week, will sort of button it all up. But, yeah, it's really, really neat. Also really neat is the Fantastic Four wedding special. Number one, we've got three stories in this one. The first one is called Invisible Girls Gone Wild, written by Gail Simone, art by Lauren Braga, colors by Jesus Arbutav, and letters by Joe Caramagna. All hail Gail Simone. She has created in this issue a male strip club called World War Hunk. <laughs> it is my favorite thing, but actually... She then has some really great moments within that club and in this story, some wonderful lines about making it rain that just <laughs> slew me. It was so good. A huge delight. The second story is called Father Figure, written by Dan Slott, pencils by Mark Buckingham. And it's a really cool story about Ben going to ask for permission to marry Alicia. He goes to the puppet master because he's doing – that's what you do. And I very – like I have very vivid memory of when I went – or of how I asked – Elizabeth, my wife, how I asked her parents mm -hmm. for permission to marry Elizabeth. It just felt like the right thing to do. I remember yeah. we were in the last Marvel office, the old building, and I called one day during like lunch hour or whatever, and I, I went into the stairwell, and I was like real nervous, even though they loved me. I yeah. loved them. It was I knew it was going to be okay, but I was still <laughs> like calling her dad, who was just a big you know, dude who I hug all the time when I see him. Yeah. But he was – super appreciative and it's like it's an important thing to do if you get to that step yeah it's interesting and I, yeah. this this story really it touched me it yeah really I, I don't know why but i'm imagining you i'm imagining you as if you're like 14 doing this I don't know, you're like scrawny you have like 
your voice is like changing like in the middle of you. Hello, Mr. Yeah, Keenan. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, would yeah. like to marry yeah. your daughter. I think I'm just conflating it with like a picking up from prom scenario. <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, definitely. You nailed it 100%. <laughs> and the third story is called The Puppet Master's Lament and it is written and drawn by and colored by Fred Hembeck, colors by Megan Wilson. Fred Hembeck, I love his stuff. Uh, if you are a Marvel fan who read a lot of comics in the 80s, you'll know he just did these like funny gag stories that were all done in his very unique style, silly stuff. And in this one, it's actually a great recap of Alicia's history, the puppet master, the whole connection that they have with the thing and the Fantastic Four. Plus, it's really funny and silly and, and just real cute. Nice. Next up is Infinity Wars Ghost Panther number two, written by Jed McKay, with art by Hefty Paolo, colors by Jim Campbell, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. We kind of set up this really cool mashup, obviously, in issue number one. That was kind of laying a lot of the groundwork for what this story is going to be, the direction that it was going to go, you know, with T'Challa, the Prince of Wakanda, becoming the Ghost Rider and becoming the Ghost Panther. This kind of cool motorcycle stunt driver, and we see him in this issue, though, throw down with Eric Killraven, who is, of course, his kind of counterpart mashup character. I that one, it's just it's like one of the most delightful warps for yeah. me because it makes sense. And then, like, Killraven is this, this weird sci fi character who. In his reality, it's like the Martians overtook Earth and he's a big freedom fighter. You know, and then you take the Killmonger part of it yeah. and everything that drives that character in Jataka, it just makes so much sense. Yeah, it fits perfectly. What's really fun about this issue for me is that we get to see a ton of action via Hefte Palos, a really, really unique style that kind of takes advantage of shadow and foreground and background in a really, really interesting way. And that's what it's all about for me. And yeah, I love seeing these incredible flaming panther pages, flaming skulls. Uh, It is something that uh, we got a little taste of, I think, in issue number one, but something that I was really looking forward to seeing Hefte Apollo tackle in this issue, and it does not disappoint. Yeah, this was nearly one of my picks. I loved it. Read it on the subway this morning. I was like, what is this comic? It's so good. (laughs) All right, up next is Infinity Wars Sleepwalker, number four, written by Chad Bowers and Chris Sims. Art by Todd Nock. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And I know I praise Todd Nock all the time, you know, all the time when he does this book or whatever he's working on. But, man, he deserves it. There is a big splash page with this like plague of terrors, this group of nightmare things that uh, is just so cool and full of weird horrors. And then you get a bunch more of those for the next bunch of pages. Uh, He's got like the Snake Man, Captain America, this weird Spider-Man thing with like these weird flaily tentacles on it. Uh, It's tons of like these little details and weird creature versions of Marvel characters across this book. You're just going to like pour over them just picking mm-hmm. out little things there's just one that's like some sort of large cat thing but its head is upside down and <laughs> it just freaked me out todd is the sweetest man in the world but he draws some messed up <laughs> stuff ultimately though i think this whole story was chad and chris doing their best shot at the last few pages trying to hit on some 90s nostalgia some 90s buttons and like i think they're trying to push something through we'll see if it hmm. happens i'm not going to spoil it for you guys especially if you're a 90s kid Moving from one artist and book that has taken advantage of like incredible details on every last centimeter of every page to another book that features an artist that we have seen do that exact thing many times very gorgeously. I'm speaking about Javier Garon and I'm talking about Miles Morales, Spider-Man number one. And it's my first pick of the week. Oh yeah, uh, it is written by Saladin Ahmed with art. Like I said, by Javier Garon, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corpetit. Yeah, I talked about this a little bit. If you subscribe to This Week in Marvel, you'll hear an interview with Saladin this week. And I talked a little bit about it, but I want to say here that if you've never read a Miles Morales book and you want to start brand new, you want to dive into the character, this is the perfect book for it. And if you're a diehard Miles fan and you're worried about, oh, it's a new book, it's a new creative team, I don't know, I'm fidgety, 
don't worry at all. It's everything we need, we want to get settled and started and moving forward with a big new story for Miles. And especially in a time where we have a movie starring Miles Morales and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. There's going to be so much spotlight on the character. This feels like just the perfect book to introduce new fans to this character and old fans. And it's so good. We get quick origin stuff. We get a lot of supporting character and world building stuff. It's got family. It's got heart. It's got action. It's got all the solid Miles hits that we, we look for. Plus, as Tucker has mentioned, Javier Garon. Oh, We've been talking about him for such a long time and he's been on so many different books and, you know, Ammon and the Wasp recently and, and, you know, he's on Cyclops and this and that and all these different books. You are not ready for Javier. It's such a specific challenge to draw a spider book of any kind, let alone like one of the big spider titles like this, especially with a big number one. And like he was made for it. Yeah. I mean, he just crushes it. Yeah. His fashion, you know, something that was so good about Sarah Pakeli or some of the other artists who've worked on Miles' stories before was like, just there's a good sense of fashion and style, especially when you're drawing kids. Javier crushes it. Like there's, oh, he draws uh, Miles' sort of like lady friend, Barbara. Mm -hmm. Just her fashion sense is so on point. Yeah. The way he draws Genki and like, or judge and his look. Everybody has a very specific look. It, it's almost like Chris Anka, right? Yeah. And like the care that is taken in the way the characters look and fit into their world is so smart and so specific and so on point. His Miles spider face, you know, like some artists do really well with utilizing the the eyes and mm. using them to show emotion. Javier does that so well. I can't speak highly enough of this book completely i also want to give a special shout out to brian stelfreeze the legend for a beautiful cover if only because it's been plastered all over marvel.com for like the last three months <laughs> but yeah i love it it's terrific also terrific is my second pick of the week mr and mrs x number six written by kelly thompson art by and this is a twofer second of my Spaniard boys, my dear friends, uh, this is David Lopez as the guest artist on here, whom I adore, with guest colorist Nayong Kim, letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Man alive, I love this one. This is the story of the engagement party for Gambit and Rogue. Real simple, right? Nothing could go wrong. Of course, because it's Gambit and Rogue, everything can go wrong, especially because it's Gambit and he's dirt. He gets visited by the Thieves Guild, <laughs> and the Assassin's Guild, uh, if you know your Gambit history, you know that he was once involved with who is now the leader of the Assassin's Guild, Belladonna. There's all kinds of history there. And Kelly just, she knows all of this. She's mm. such a student of the game. She just ties in little things here and there, little you know mentions in, in discussions and has this interaction with Belladonna and Gambit, has this interaction with the Thieves Guild. I can't say it any other way. <laughs> You've got Gambit's dad, who is just as, like, creepsy-looking yeah, as yeah, Gambit, yeah. and I love it, especially <laughs> the way David draws it. I Look, I'm in the tank for Dave Lopez. I was a fan of his before I became a friend of his, but the way he draws like, clothing and people interacting or there's this... European slash manga vibe to his art, but it's all completely his own. Like, there's just one shot of Rogue as she's answering the door for the first guest and she's like fixing her dress and hiking <laughs> on her boots. And it's just like a subtle thing. Just like the, there's no mention of it otherwise. It's just like the way she moves. David is so smart about how he positions people, moves them, makes them look, react like connect to others it's just the best his rogue is really cool she's a little bit more somber and serious in a lot of parts his gambit looks fantastic i we've only had like six issues of this but i want to pick it every single time man and i hope david lopez does more again for us he is my favorite oh yeah we're about to get into the spider garden part of the show but before <laughs> we do we're going to give a shout out to our advertiser for this episode marvel mastercard and did you know you could be earning cashback rewards for buying comics like all the spider garden comics how 
with the Marvel MasterCard. Learn how at marvelmastercard.com slash list. You can earn 3% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on comic books, movies, restaurants, and more with the Marvel MasterCard. And 1% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on all other purchases. There's no limit on the cashback rewards you can earn. And enjoy special Marvel benefits like three months of a Marvel Unlimited subscription You can choose your superhero from one of six cool card designs, too, like Iron Man, Black Panther, and Spider-Man, just to name a few. Visit marvelmastercard.com slash list to learn more and apply today. marvelmastercard.com slash L-I-S-T. Up next is Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 313. This is a spider garden tie-in, the third of uh, the story. It is written by Sean Ryan, art by Juan Fergari, and it's the big Pete versus Moreland throwdown in the Central Park Zoo. Honestly, I am most concerned about the animals uh, when I read <laughs> sure. this story. Uh, especially, there's a bear that Spidey spin kicks at the same time as Moreland, and the bear... Relatively fine, mm-hmm. uh, gets tossed in some water to get out of the action. But still, come on, Spider-Man, don't come kick on. a bear. Come on. Yeah. It's a gorgeous splash page when this happened. Uh, there's a line here where Peter's quipping at Morlan that's just got to be a nod to the good place, uh, <laughs> which I won't spoil it. It's really fun. A-plus work, Sean Ryan, if that's what it was, which it has to be because I'm smart. This dovetails right into the end of spider Garden. I'd say if you're reading the full suite of Geddon books, this week, maybe read this one last. It's hard. They all sort of mm. like converge at the same points. So, yeah. Next up is The Silver Surfer, The Best Defense, number one by Jason Latour. Period. Yeah. Straight up. He wrote it, penciled, inked, colored, the whole lot. It has letters from VCs Clayton Cowles. This was nearly one of my picks a week. I really, really enjoyed his take on things. I am a huge fan of Jason Latour. And, you know, he's done incredible landmark, dare I say, legendary work on Spider-Gwen. And so I'm really excited now to see him continue on in, in a similar super creative, super fascinating vein. We get a great kind of westerny vibe story here which is really cool we get a character that you know what until i saw him here i realized like we don't get to see him that often Mm. and that's old yondu danta he pops up a little bit but it's a really cool kind of definite kind of kirby vibes that you know captures the voice of the herald of galactus so beautifully and then explodes from this intimate kind of interpersonal kind of little journey this kind of desert journey into the massive cosmic tale side of things that we we know this character so well in and things like that as the best defense comes together with defenders issue number one next week it's going to be really cool to see them all fit together as kind of one big puzzle heck yeah all right, up next, we've got three back-to-back-to-back Spider-Geddon stories. First up is Spider-Force number three, written by Priest, art by Marcelo Ferreira, Ibram Roberson, inks by Roberto Poggi, Ibram Roberson, and Craig Young, colors by Guru Effects and letters by Joe Sabino. And it's just these ding-dang suicide missions, man. Uh, the inheritors, that you get them stabbed with crystals. They still survive. You got radiation poisoning. They still survive. You got messed up versions of Spidey villains. Uh, and it just looks real bad for the Force here. This one dives, again, right into the end of the Big Geddon story. So we'll see how it all hashes out for these characters next week. I'm so happy that I only have to say this once. I next have Spider-Girls number three. This is another Spider-Geddon tie-in. <laughs> uh, written by Jody Hauser with pencils and inks by Andres Ginolay, colors by Chris Peter and Jim Campbell, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This issue for me was the greatest example yet of a kind of relationship analysis, seeing what these characters have in common, seeing what they don't have in common, seeing the ways that they love each other just by the fact that they have so many common experiences. I'm talking about Anya Corazon, May Parker, and Annie May. It's really, really cool to see uh, them go up against a couple of inheritors here as as well as a spidery, monstery, Normie Osborn, and all the complexities that that brings in. But again, this is uh, jumping via cross-dimensional portal into Spider-Geddon number five, which is coming next week. Yeah, I really hope we see Andres Genole on more uh, books with young heroes. Oh, so yeah. good. All right. Up next is Spider-Gwen, Ghost Spider number three, finishing out our Spider-Gwen 
section. And this one is written by Shauna McGuire, art by Rosie Campy, colors by Ian Herring, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, great cover by Bengal. And uh, this issue sends us right to Geddon number five, just like the others, but it wraps up the story of the Gwen Goblin and her world in such a great way. It gives us this other version of Gwen, uh, a world I would very much love to see more of, but it also lets our Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman, help this other Gwen in a kind of way that helps herself, which I think is really Mm. touching and really sort of the core of what this story has been all about and what this story is. And a lot of funny stuff. Shannon is, she's just tearing it up. I'm having a great time with it. Totally. Next up is Star Wars Age of Republic Darth Maul number one. And it's my second pick of the week. Hey, Jody Hauser. She writes this one as well with art by Luke Ross, colors by Java Tartaglia, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Luke Ross, really bringing it my here. My Brazilian boy. I Incredible. love Luke. Incredible. so good. Uh, and again, another one of the sweetest. Yeah, I mean, there's a really cool dark edge that he brings to this with really cool line work, really, really great faces. There's something that I really like here, which is a Star Wars character with a mustache. That's something that I love a ton. It kind of evokes the 70s origins of Star Wars in a great way. I think it fits perfectly in the universe. Look, quick sidebar that we do not have time for, which is I am the ultimate judge, arbiter, whatever you may describe of deciding if someone fits into the Star Wars oeuvre. (laughs) Go back on old twitter.com. Months in past, I said, put Pedro Pascal in a Star Wars movie. And guess what? Guess what they went and did? They put him in a Star Wars TV show, but still it counts. Anyway, this is a really cool issue that analyzes Darth Maul's psyche in a really cool way because, you know, he's obviously a character with a ton of lore. And if you're into the novels, if you're into TV shows like Rebels and Clone Wars and things like that, we've explored this character a ton. But for, you know, other people, Star Wars fans, maybe you haven't seen them as much uh, beyond Star Wars The Phantom Menace. This is a really cool analysis of the little tastes that we got of him there. And it, of course, fits in beautifully with uh, everything that he eventually becomes in Clone Wars and Rebels and the like. You know, oftentimes we see Jedi be tempted by uh, the dark side. It's really cool to see this character here tempted by something complex for someone who's so, so bad. And uh, yeah, I I really, really enjoyed it. And hey, I also want to say shout out to one of my favorite artists of all time, Paolo Rivera, who does a great, really cool cover here. Kind of a, a little nod to the events of this story, but also definitely uh, what goes down in Phantom Menace. It's cool to see Paolo doing a bunch of covers. He does a couple this week. Heck yeah. All right, up next is uh, on our Star Wars train is Dr. Afra number 27. And this is written by Cy Spurrier, art by Emilio Liso, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And this one is great. It has the Monster Hunter characters from that Risa Afra annual, number mm-hmm. two, which I really, really love them. I thought they were a lot of fun. Uh, and I very much hope they do not get killed in the course of this story. We have some more parts to to go, so I don't know. Size Barrier is a monster, and he can <laughs> kill the people I love. Uh, so many bad things happen to people around Afra, so it's very, very possible. But bad things come to Afra. That's just sort of like her deal. Like you have this undead vigilante imbued by living force spores, and the thing that it brings with them is so terrifying. The real treat of the story, though, is Triple Zero and Afra's conversations. They're just so good. Trip is like the voice of her guilt in one moment, and then the horrible murder bot about to kill her the next it's very twisted but it's really quite funny and amusing and just drives this like dangerous duo so hard something that i think is really difficult to capture in any medium is a sense of adventure and i think dr afra that issue does it really really wonderfully and i think star wars han solo imperial cadet number two which is our next book this week, does it really wonderfully as well. This one is written by Robbie Thompson with art by Leonard Kirk, colors by Arif Prianto, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. We're seeing Han's misadventures in the Imperial Navy and you know, kind of across the Imperial military as he gets kicked from one side of the galaxy to the other and showcases exactly why this is 
absolutely not the life for him while also getting to see uh, a bunch of really great Han flying TIE fighter action, some really, really beautiful space visuals that we get in here from inside Han's cockpit. Super, super fun. I think Robbie captures that spirit so well of putting him through, you know, his paces in the military, but also always having him, you know, I hate to say it, but rebel against everything that he's being told to do uh, and to see the other characters around him react and play off of that is also super fun. He just nails that charming, rebellious rogue so well. All right, up next is Typhoid Fever, Iron Fist. This is the final part of the Iron Fist uh, trilogy of books that we've been doing. It is written by Clay McLeod Chapman, art by Paolo Villanelli, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This is a dark book. Typhoid goes, like, murdery in a church and then makes people make out with each other in the street, and then the making out goes to tearing each other apart, like people biting each other's lips off and then throwing each other off buildings. It is gross and intense. Typhoid's powers get bigger and bigger, and it's really quite intense. It's an interesting way to explore her and just her capabilities. It's interesting, too, because it's a story that doesn't end because the heroes win, either. It's it's a very grim story, mm-hmm. but a, an interesting, powerful one. Next up is Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number 39. It's written by Ryan North with art by Derek Charm. Colors this- by... Oh, sorry. I just, I couldn't help myself. I love this book so much. (laughs) Yeah. Colors by Rico Renzi and letters by Travis Lanham. You know, something that you spoke about, typhoid fever in the same way. I feel like there's some interesting complexities going on in that book and some interesting complexities in a similar vein going on in this book, albeit in a completely (laughs) other side of the world tonally, because we have a scroll story going on here as Doreen and her crew try and take down an imposter, Tony Stark. But it's really fun to see how Ryan North kind of undulates the narrative here because you're kind of in this fight mode and you're rooting for the team and it's so much fun and there's so many great asides going on. And then you kind of stop and you have some sympathy for some uh, characters that you might not think you do. And then you don't again and then you do again and then you don't again. It's really, really great to see. And of course, you know, one of the dream teams, uh, creative teams in this series, and great to see Rico Renzi on Unbeatable Squirrel Girl as well. Heck yeah. Uh, there's a joke in here. When Koi Boy gets their moment to shine, it's so good. <laughs> and like seeing Koi Boy's version of Tippy Toe and, and like the Squirrel Army, right, right. so good. Yeah. But there's a joke in here towards the end, one of the bottom text jokes, that is about a piece of art that ties into some Marvel characters. I lost it. It's so dang good. (laughs) All right. Up next is Uncanny X-Men number five, written by Matthew Rosenberg, Kelly Thompson, and Ed Brisson. Pencils by R.B. Silva. Inks by Andriano Benedetto, And colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters by, ooh, the big dog coming out to play, Chris Eliopoulos himself. Whoa. Yeah. You get the boss (laughs) on this one. Hell yeah. I did not realize that. I love when Chris comes out of the, like, off the bench and he just, like, dusts himself off. He's like, cracks the knuckles. Guess I got to get into this one. Uh, This is Chaos Calamity. X-Man does some wild stuff in this issue. His horsemen are caught up in a massive upheaval and battle with the X-Men. There's a killer moment right at the end, which really hinges on the relationship between Psylocke and Angel. And that's really cool. That's like, for me, that's the core of this issue. Um, They go back to the 90s, their relationship, Psylocke and Angel. They had both gone through so much stuff uh, with people messing with their bodies and their minds. You know, they found something in in each other. It was a really interesting romance. It's been on and off again so much over the years. And recently, Angel going all twisted and messed up and archangelly, it's just sort of been very difficult. There's a sweet moment that just turns in tense. There's this beautiful, wonderful splash page by R.B. Silva, and I was just like, oh, dang, so good. Totally. Next up is The Unstoppable Wasp. Number three is written by Jeremy Whitley with art by Guruhiro. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. The first couple of issues were setting the stage. We were reintroduced to the Agents of Girl, to Nadia, to uh, Janet, exploring the relationships. There vibes so much great stuff going on there, but it really kicks off here. The action really starts from, you know, page two or three because the entire squad is under attack by AIM, 
in the, all their kind of wonderful yellow jumpsuity goodness. Beekeepers. Uh, yeah, the beekeepers are here. Uh, there is, of course, built into all this action some really, really great character stuff as we're continuing to explore those relationships and advance them. And then it's really, really fun to you know feel the spirit of this book really taking off here because uh, not only is the action at play here, but, you know, the narrative is expanding in really, really fascinating ways. It's all so good. It's so fantastic. It's such a delight to read. And I'm really excited to see this start to explode in a great way. Yeah. I would also wager that Mr. Bill Roseman will tweet about this issue because there's a character named Finesse who's in this issue, who is in a book that he edited called Avengers Academy. And I would be surprised if he doesn't get real excited to see her show up. Your man tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Up next is Weapon X number 27, written by Greg Pak and Fred Van Lenti. Our by Luca Pizzari with Alberto Albuquerque, Roberto DeSalva, and Ibram Roberson. Colors by Frank D'Armada. Letters, again, by ya boy, Chris Eliopoulos. You know, 28 books out. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's got to get in there. Get his Come hands on. dirty. <laughs> That's just the time of the year, man. And it's another month of Weapon X, another time. I got to shout out Raza, cover artist supreme, this image of... Sabretooth being, uh, you know, held by Monet. Uh, he's going all savage and he's unraveling. And I didn't realize how that played into the story mm-hmm. until I read it. And it was just it makes it even better. Greg and Fred pulled this really slick move of giving Sabretooth this sweet, heroic, tragic hero story here. It's just so good. One that ties into his whole arc over the last couple of years with him being inverted, being good and dangerous and on the edge of that monster. And it's a really cool way to wrap up the story is not something I was expecting at all. It's been a hell of a run, this Weapon X series. My last book this week is X-23, number seven. It's written by Mariko Tamaki, pencils by Diego Orlotigui, uh, inks by Walton Wong, colors by Chris O'Halloran, and letters by VCs Corpetit. This is like CSI X-23. Uh, <laughs> they're on a crime scene. It's a con- kind of a combination of like spy action with crime action. Uh, do the CSI people, do they eat ice cream? Well, I hope so. Yeah, I've do never this, seen a show. Th- has Jordan D. White ever made a cameo on the CSI? Because no. he definitely does here. <laughs> um, uh, add it to the catalog of fantastic Jordan D. White appearances. But essentially, Gabby and Laura are after a kind of mysterious force here. They don't know quite what they're after, and then before they know it, they're mm, almost in over their heads because not just do they have a villain to take down, but then they have to deal with the consequences of that in a really, really interesting and really different way, a way that we haven't seen, I think, in this series before uh, that is super fun but also plays completely into the Laura and Gabby dynamic, the hearts of these characters. And, you know, despite the kind of the fact that they are among the most vicious fighters in the Marvel Universe, they are some really heartfelt and empathetic people. So to see that all combined in a really different way here is super, super fun. Heck yeah. All right. Last book of the week is X-Men Red number 11. It's written by Tom Taylor, art by Roger Antonio, colors by Rain Barreto, and letters by VCs Corpetit. Great cover, as always, by Jenny Frisson. We've had her solo character covers, and now this is the whole team together. It is tremendous. And what a dang ending. The big climactic battle between the X-Men with the Avengers and Atlantean help versus Cassandra Nova. The big plan and, and how it all ends is so very cool, so very Tom Taylor, and that it's full of heart and cleverness and something very gross and wince-inducing. Like, I I was reading it last night, and I went, oh! <laughs> and my wife goes, what happened? What happened? I was like, I, you haven't gotten to this yet. You can't read it. You're yeah. a few issues behind. <laughs> but it's ultimately incredibly fulfilling. The series has for me, really helped solidify Jean Grey as a centerpiece for the X-Men. I think that's been a really important thing. I absolutely love this book. It's great. We will not have X-Men read next month because we're going to the age of X-Men next month. So we'll see what all that brings. Ooh, uh, we also have three True Believers issues out this week. For just a buck, you can read Fantastic Four Super Scroll number one, Fantastic Four Molecule Man number one, and Fantastic Four Dragon Man number one. Also, collections on sale this week include Amazing Spider-Man Masterworks Volume 20, Amazing Spider-Man Worldwide Volume 9, Cable The Last Hope Volume 2, Cloak and Dagger Shades of Grey 
Marvel Knights Punisher by Garth Ennis, The Complete Collection, Volume 1. Get it, must have. You should have it. Own it right now. Bye. Oh, yeah. Marvel Masterworks, The Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 20 in hardcover. Punisher Epic Collection, Circle of Blood. Spider-Man Demolition Days. Star Wars, Volume 9, Hope Dies. And X-Men Gambit, The Complete Collection, Volume 2. I know you're going to pick that one up. Uh, shut up. <laughs> uh, we've got a bunch of books on uh, the Marvel app this week. Unfortunately, most of them are Gambit. We'll keep on from that, uh, but they're, they're fine. Anyway. There's some cool digital collections, including uh, Thor Visionaries, Volume 5, Walter Simonson stuff. So we always talk about, I always talk about Walter Simonson's run on Thor and how important it is and so impactful. I just had Phil Lord and Chris Miller walking around the office with me yesterday, the producers, writers of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Phil Lord very specifically talked about Walter Simonson and his work as being very influential on him. So don't just take it from me. Uh, we got to finish up this episode uh, talking about the new comics on Marvel Unlimited. Big alert here, Immortal Hulk number one is now on Marvel Unlimited. If you have not read this book, you have no reason anymore unless you, for some reason, don't have Marvel Unlimited and this is your reason to get Marvel Unlimited. Read this book. There's also a Dazzler book on here, which is great. Ant-Man and the Wasp number one is on here. But maybe most importantly, we've got a bunch of Spider-Ham added to Marvel Unlimited. Marvel Tales, which has always delighted me because it's spelled T-A-I-L-S. We have a Marvel Tales, T-A-L-E-S <laughs> book. But this is Marvel Tales, starring Peter Porker, the Spectacular Spider-Ham. That's on here. And then five issues of Peter Porker, the Spectacular Spider-Ham. Those were from 83 and 85. It's so much fun. Uh, especially you're going to go see Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse this week, and you're going to be like, I need more Spider-Ham. Mm -hmm. You got it. It's on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, there's more Spider-Man, more X-Men, more everything you like in here. What a great week for Marvel Unlimited. 28 new comics out, plus all this great stuff on MU. You guys are going to be reading, reading, reading all through the holidays. F 50 episodes of the pool. That's 28 comics. Two hosts that are tired. And one we'll, conference room that's we're running out of time in. I was going to say, one <laughs> laughing producer. Yeah. Uh, yes, that, that wraps it up. Tucker, anything you want to say to the fans before you depart for the rest of the year? Uh, any, If there are any uh, London or Edinburgh Listeners, Edinburgh. Yes, it's my one of my favorite cities. Uh, I love it yeah, so much. Awesome. It's gonna be my first time. Uh, you know, just keep an eye out. You know, <laughs> make sure I don't get hit by a car. Or Go something. touch the dog. Oh, there's this place. It's like called like Moms or Mums, okay. uh, which I had a great haggis at. It okay. was terrific. Okay, it was just a little side street place. Yeah, nice. I'm excited for you. Yeah, thanks. This is great. Uh, have a good trip, Tucker. Oh, thanks so much. And you know, have fun with those two awesome episodes that are coming up. That's yeah. gonna be great. It's going to be wonderful. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe.